0: Catholic Drive Time. Keeping you informed and inspired.
1: We love God. We ought to be able to talk about Him.
2: Getting you started on your day.
0: With the latest in breaking news and
2: information. From the Vatican to the White House and everything in between.
3: It's serious. It's fun. It's your Catholic Drive Time. With Joe
2: McLean and Emily Alcaraz.
3: Praise
4: be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time. Keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McLean. So good to be on with you this morning. Praise be to God. Good morning. Welcome back to the show. Prayerfully your morning is going really well so far. By the grace of God, we have uh, been able to work out the uh, conflict in the schedule with Mister Julio Laredo. He was supposed to be on yesterday, did not work out. But we have we have a great guarantee of assurance. How, how confident can I sound, Adrian? Like I'm looking for
5: like the most confident words possible, like. Absolutely, it's very likely he's going to be on. I, I would say I would use the words <laughs> I have a reasonable hope that uh, that Mr. Julio will be on. <laughs> you
4: have a reasonable hope. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, the great news is we're pretty sure he's going to be on today. It was just uh, a ships crossing in the night. Let's just say that. But at any rate, he is with the traditional tradition, family and property in Italy, uh, TFP in Italy. And we're going to discuss. We're we'll touch on some of the stories we wanted to discuss yesterday, but we kind of covered those stories as well like the the whole suppression of private masses at the Vatican um we may touch on the lockdowns in Italy again of course uh the AstraZeneca vaccine being suspended in many European uh, countries at this point due to blood clots reports Uh, We may cover those, but there's also some stories coming out about statements that His Holiness Pope Francis has made recently. Uh, One, a call for a new world order, really? And then, uh, of course, the statements that are making their way around the world about the Pope saying, you can't bless same-sex unions. So we'll have Mr. Julio Laredo on from TFP in Italy to discuss those stories, plus so much more. And we have a, a ton of stuff to get into. Of course, Emily's here. Good morning to you, Emily.
0: Good morning. Yeah, there's so much to talk about today. Really, so much news came out of the Vatican
4: yesterday. So it was a, ready vi- to a go. busy Vatican news day. Definitely. Uh, yep. Praise be to God. Speaking of which, you know, yesterday, eight o'clock Central Time Zone across the GRN, uh, Bree Dale uh, launched her first radio show. So that was kind of a cool
5: deal. Adrian, you were the producer. How'd that go? Oh it was pretty awesome. They had a uh, Calm Flynn on so I I loved having him on our show but they had him on for practically their whole show talking about, uh, one thing they talked about that I thought was really, <laughs> really fun was they talked about, um, St. Patrick's Day, uh, since he's Irish and grew up and has those Irish traditions. He, uh, they talked a lot about that in the last segment of their show. But yeah, if you're interested in all things in the intersection between, uh, politics, faith and culture, then you got to tune in to intersection with Bree Dale and Joy Mignot on Mondays at 8 a.m. All right. Praise be to God. So we're going to have breaking news and stories, Saint of the Day,
4: Gospel of the Day. We're going to have a What's Concerning Us section, and there's lots in the news to be concerned about for sure. So uh, not to mention just the, the statements from the Pope, but there's also some other stories that we want to jump into. And in the next hour, if you're at all able to join us, we have our Fear and Trembling Game Show. And this week, the prize is a, a beautiful uh, image of the Holy Family Uh, sponsored by Just Love Prince. So, next hour, if you can join us, you could be the contestant and possibly win that. It's quite beautiful, actually. We've posted an image of it on our Facebook page at facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. I encourage you to check that out. But for all those hanging out with us on live video feeds on Facebook, YouTube, and Twitter, thank you, and God love you. We're very grateful that you're a part of the program. Thank you, Lori, Patty, and Glenn, for sharing our video feed this morning. Uh, We're always uh, super appreciative of your generosity if you're hanging out with us at the station of the cross good morning to you and god bless you thank you for being with us today we uh we love having the audience from the northeast on but we're going to pray for your intentions right now whatever you're facing today whatever's on your agenda we're going to ask for god's grace for your life we're going to ask our queen, our queen our mother uh to intercede for all of these needs by praying and interceding for all of us amen
0: Two more Catholic churches in Boston have been vandalized yet again, an unsettling pattern of incidents that police are investigating. Both Dorchester's St. Teresa of Calcutta Church and Southie's St. Monica St. Augustine Church recently had their locks damaged on the same night, and a statue of the Virgin Mary was toppled at St. Monica's. A church volunteer was helping repair the statue at St. Monica's on Sunday, and police are now looking for help in identifying a male suspect whose image was captured on security cameras at the churches. This is the sixth time that St. Teresa's has been targeted by vandals since July. On July 12th, and again on July 16th, a trash barrel was emptied and placed over a statue of the Virgin Mary. The first incident occurred during the same overnight period when a statue of the Virgin Mary was torched a mile away from St. Peter's Parish, also in Dorchester. The Catholic Action League called the incidents appalling, senseless, and malevolent crimes, which will continue as long as no one is apprehended and punished. A Catholic priest from a northern Indian diocese has been suspended after allegedly physically assaulting the diocese's bishop. Bishop Pius Thomas D'Souza of Ajmer says he was attacked last week by a local priest, Father Varghese Palapalil, who is facing a sexual abuse case that is currently pending in Rome. Palapalil has denied the allegations, which he says are an attempt to discredit him for questioning the bishop. In a March 10th letter, Bishop D'Souza said Father Palapalil was banned from celebration of mass, sacraments, sacramentals, and to receive sacraments in the church from the very moment of the physical assault. Pala Palil says he will challenge the allegations. The Vatican's doctrinal office on Monday clarified that the Catholic Church does not have the power to give liturgical blessings of homosexual unions. In an accompanying note, the Congregation for the Doctrine of the Faith explained that blessings are sacramentals. And consequently, in order to conform with the nature of sacramentals, when a blessing is invoked on particular human relationships, in addition to the right intention of those who participate, it is necessary that what is blessed be objectively and positively ordered to receive and express grace. In recent years, German bishops in particular have been increasingly outspoken in demanding discussions about an opening towards acceptance of practiced homosexuality and the blessing of homosexual unions in the Church. The call for liturgical blessings of same-sex unions is part of a wider push by some German bishops to change the church's teaching on a number of issues, including on the sacraments of priestly ordination and marriage. I'm Emily Alcaraz, and these are your Tuesday morning headlines through a Catholic lens.
4: St. Herbert of Cologne, pray for us. St. Herbert was born in 970 at Worms in Germany. He was uh, a son of a duke, Duke Hugo of Worms. He was educated at the cathedral school at Worms and provost of the cathedral. He eventually was ordained in 994, became the chancellor of Italy under King Otto III in the same year, and then eventually chancellor for Germany in 997. Archbishop of Cologne in 999 and attended the deathbed of King Otto at Paterno. But initially, when King Henry II was uh, was ascended to the throne, he was opposed to him and even imprisoned by him. However, when he was elected king on the 7th of June, 1002, Herbert immediately acknowledged him as the king and became one of his personal advisors. He founded and endowed the Benedictine Monastery and Church of Deutz in Germany. He obtained miracles by prayer, including the end of a drought. He is honored as a saint even during his lifetime. He died on the 16th of March, 1021 at Cologne of Natural Causes. Pope St. Gregory the Seventh would beatify him in the year 1075. St. Herbert of Cologne, pray for us. The gospel today comes from John chapter 5, verses 1 through 16. There was a feast of the Jews, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now there is in Jerusalem at the Sheep Gate a pool called, in Hebrew, Bethesda, with five porticos. In these lay a large number of ill, blind, lame, and crippled. One man was there who had been ill for 38 years, when Jesus saw him lying there and knew that he had been ill for a long time he said to him do you want to be well the sick man answered him sir i have no one to put me into the pool when the water is stirred up while i'm on my way someone else gets down there before me jesus said to him rise take up your mat and walk immediately the man became well took up his mat and walked now that day was the sabbath so the jews said to the man who was cured it is the sabbath and it is not lawful for you to carry your mat he answered them the man who made me well told me take up your mat and walk they asked him who is the man who told you take it up and walk the man who was healed did not know who it was for jesus had slipped away since there was a crowd there after this, Jesus found him in the temple area and said to him, Look, you are well. Do not sin anymore, so that nothing worse may happen to you. The man went and told the Jews that Jesus was the one who had made him well. Therefore, the Jews began to persecute Jesus, because he did this on the Sabbath. The Gospel of the Lord.
6: We are Jesus.
4: Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Um, you know what, I, what it always gets me every time I read John's gospel, in particular— when you get like this passage or the man born blind who gets questioned by the Sanhedrin and it's like they start repeating the same line over and over. Who was it that told you to take up your man and walk? The man who told me to take up my man, my man and walk is this guy. But did he tell you to take up your man and walk? It's like this repeating of the same line. It always gets me. Like I always, I have never, I don't think I've ever found a commentary that really tells me why it is that John felt the need to write that same line over and over and over again in the same sort of dialogue here. It just, it, I don't understand. It just, it happens quite a bit here. And then again, with a man born blind, it always catches me off guard. But at any rate, this is probably the feast of Pentecost, one of the three feasts where all Jewish men had to come to the temple. So it's the it's the celebration of the spring harvest, the offering of the first fruits. It's also uh, the giving, celebrating the giving of the law, the Torah to Israel right? And here it is on the Sabbath at this uh, this pool that had been known for miracles. As the water gets stirred up, the people, the ill people make their way into the water and some are healed, apparently. Now, notice the detail here. John, obviously, is very intimately familiar with Jerusalem, and the porticos, the Sheep Gate, all of this information. Uh, So if you've ever heard about uh, the sort of the the, the questioning of who wrote John's gospel, was it Stoic philosophers, Greek Stoic? No, it was John, the apostle. He was there. You can see the details in his writings. It's pretty powerful. But notice the, the, the elements here. Jesus asks him, do you want to be well? Have you ever asked yourself that? Whatever plagues you, whatever habitual sins that you might suffer from, the ones you're always confessing in the confessional, you know, maybe it would be good for us to stand, you know, before a crucifix and, and maybe hear the Lord tell, ask us this very question, do you want to be well? Well, then, you know, what are you going to do about that? What are you willing to do about that? Are you ready for freedom? Because I think too many of us, having been a person who is addicted to pornography for for so many years— um, people, addicted people tend not to really want to be well. They don't, they're not really ready for freedom. They may say it with their lips, but I think in their heart and in their mind and in their actions, something else is altogether true. And I love that Jesus asks him, do you want to be well? And Jesus goes on to heal him. The man is 38, uh, 38 years Right, 38 years old. That's a very uh, symbolic and could represent the people in Israel wandering in the desert before they enter into the Holy Land. And the same question could be asked to them. Do you want to be free? Because you're turning your hearts back to pagan idolatry and you're stiff-necked, you're grumbling, you're, you're constant complaining. All of this seems to suggest that you don't really want to be free. So, I think there's a nice parallel here between the Old Testament and what Jesus is accomplishing in this person. Here's what St. Cyril of Jerusalem says, as quoted in the Catholic Study uh, Bible by uh, Ignatius Press. It says this, quote, Jesus disappears through the crowd to teach us to shun worldly, pra- uh, worldly praise. Though we are inclined to boast of our accomplishments or at least be recognized for them, humility must turn us away from whatever acclaim might lead us to pride," unquote. Saint Cyril of Jerusalem, pray for us. All right, that's going to do it for uh, the what's, Con- or rather, the uh, gospel of the day. We're going to go to the what's concerning us section next. Next, lots of articles to discuss. Plus, Mister Julio Laredo from the TFP all Beyond to talk about the Pope's comments. All that coming up next on Catholic Drive
7: Catholics claim that the Pope is the visible principle and foundation of Christian unity, and the reason for this claim is that Jesus made Peter as such. But what's our evidence? First, Jesus makes Peter the rock upon which he builds his church in Matthew 16:18, And since you can't separate the structure from the foundation on which the structure is built, it follows that wherever Peter is, there is the true Church of Christ. Luke 22:31 31-32 is another text. Jesus singles Peter out and promises to protect him in faith and commands him to strengthen the brethren. Peter's job was to keep the apostles united in faith, and if the apostles wanted to benefit from Jesus' prayer of protection, they had to stick with Peter. We can benefit from this unity in faith as well. We stick with Peter's successor, the Pope. I'm Carlo Brusord with the ready reason for Catholic Answers, catholic.com.
4: be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time. Keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McClain. So good to be on with you. Praise be to God. Mr. Julio Laredo, from the, he's the president of the Italian branch of the TFP Tradition Family and Property. He's been on our show in the past a few times. He's going to be back on today here in about 18 minutes or so. We're going to conversate about several stories coming out of Europe. Um, and I don't know if you've heard. Have you heard about the... AstraZeneca suspension the the vaccine for COVID-19 from AstraZeneca suspension in, in many countries across Europe um it, it's very concerning because there are a lot of blood clots apparently and so people i, think, I don't know how many deaths but people are reporting blood clots, and it's a very dangerous situation. Apparently, according to this article over at WND, nearly double, uh, 102,100 are associated with the Pfizer and mRNA vaccines, including at least 957 deaths. So I I don't know. I don't really want to read the article, but my point is there's a lot of that going on over there, plus um, lockdowns. We'll conversate about that with Mr. Julio Laredo coming up. But there's some other stories. Uh, Emily, did you catch? Apparently, Don Lemon from CNN. Do you watch CNN at all? Absolutely not. I don't watch CNN no. either.
0: I don't watch any news actually. I, I don't
4: know that I've ever sat and watched a broadcast of Don Lemon. No. In my time, into- except for when I was in the airport, and that was because yeah. CNN was paying.
0: It's forced on you, yeah. <laughs>
4: <You're> <laughs> it was the uh, the state approved uh, news uh, outlet broadcast in every airport terminal in America for a while, but uh, apparently, this is an article published by the National File. Don Lemon was on The View, and he had some interesting comments about Jesus and about, about God in particular. This is the article. It says, CNN anchor Don Lemon used an appearance on ABC's The View to spread the fringe conspiracy theory that Jesus of Nazareth Nazareth rather, was a black or brown person who looked more like a Muslim And railed against a non-existent image of the Christian holy figure as a white hippie from Sweden. The article goes on to say, after bragging that white women are always asking him how to end racism after the George Floyd uh, Lemon said, 'We We have to start being realistic about God and the Bible. If you are a person of faith in this country and we know America is built on faith and religious freedom, a good way of starting is to present the true identity of Jesus. That is a black or brown person rather than someone who looks like a white hippie from Sweden or no- Norway. I'll stop there for a sec. I I I almost agree with him to some degree, but not really. Um where's my dub button? Do we have the dub button? <laughs> The, duh, Right, like, the
0: problem is no one actually believes Jesus was a white hippie. Like do do have you ever In reality, I've never met anyone who genuinely believes that.
4: Adrian, have you ever met anybody
5: like that like like what? Jesus isn't blonde with blue eyes? Uh yes, usually what? it comes from the King James version only Protestants. Uh they tend to think that. Uh I don't know if you've ever met any King I know Joe has, but I don't know if the if uh, uh you are listener are have ever met a King James Version only Protestant. But yes, they 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 think those kind of things. But I've never met a Catholic who thought that Jesus was actually uh um, blonde eye, blue uh, blonde eyes, um blonde hair, blue eyes, there we go. Um white guy. But no, it's just it's 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 sad because we kind of lost this idea of enculturation. Like our Lord appears to us as our culture. That's why, I mean, we see it most clearly in the apparitions of the Blessed Virgin Mary. Um, and then when she holds the child Jesus in her arms, she t- always has the child Jesus in the race and ethnicity of the people she appears to. I'm thinking of Our Lady of... uh of Cabejo. I'm thinking of Our Lady of Guadalupe, I'm thinking of Our Lady of Lords. Uh so it just depends on where they appear. They appear to the people as the people. Um so it, it's it's quite absurd to try to make this dichotomy saying that oh yeah, our lord, we have to we can only depict him as he was at, in existence. But in that case, we fall into iconoclasm because we don't know what he looked like. Uh obviously we can have approximations to what he might have looked like, but we have no clue what he actually looked like. Uh, the closest approximation would probably be the scans that we get from the Shroud of Turin. But even then, we don't get the skin color, the um, pigmentation, the anything like that. that it, we don't get any of that. So it's absurd to uh, quarrel over these frivolous ideas. You know, my personal taste in religious art
4: pertaining to the Holy Family is – when they are depicted, it's looking more like they're from the Middle East. That's my personal preference. I love art that that depicts them with the same sort of facial features, hair color, skin tones, or you know, dress. I I love that. I I'm inspired by that. I really feel drawn to that. A lot of the Renaissance art. Look, think of Caravaggio, one of the masters. The guy who uses art, I mean, many years, many, 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 many years before Thomas Kincaid ever put light into a painting and became famous for his calendars and whatnot, uh, Caravaggio used light in a masterful way. And when you see a Caravaggio, you're always inspired by it. You're always like blown away. Like, that's amazing. And yet, when you start to look at Renaissance art, you notice how contemporary it is especially like the images of Jesus' passion. The guards are always wearing armor. You know, they're dressed like they're from Italy. <laughs> you know, so I, I, I've never appreciated that. I don't, I don't like that contemporary feel to them. I like uh, the Holy Family to look as though they might have in the first century. That's my personal preference. But I'm not offended in any way, shape, or form when I see an image of Our Lady who looks like she's from, uh, uh, like, say, Vietnam or Japan, or China, or India, or how about Our Lady Guadalupe, which is hanging over my shoulder. If you're watching us on a live video stream, you can see the image. This is an exact uh, image of the actual tilma in Mexico City. Our Lady of Guadalupe in 1531. Guess what? The, depending on how far away you were from the actual tilma will depend on how she, how she looks to you. If you were at a certain distance, she would look more native. If you were at another distance, she would look more Spanish. That's the beauty of the the image. It's Part of the reason why millions of people converted to to Catholicism as a result of her apparition here. Because her her very dress, the images, the stars, all the elements in this image helped to bring her, bring uh, the natives into the faith, at a time where many Europeans, millions of Europeans were leaving the faith in apostasy, millions were coming into the faith in, in Mexico and in the New World. That's the power of Our Lady, appearing to the people in a way that they could understand. Our, look at our Lord Jesus Christ on the road to Emmaus, appearing to the, the disciples, and they couldn't even recognize him. So, it kills me when people like Don Lemon try to sit here and make a mountain out of a molehill as if there are white people who are going to be shocked to learn that Jesus isn't uh, pale skin, blonde hair, and blue eyes. But here's the question, Don. If it's okay to have an image of, of the Holy Family, let's say, that looks Asian or African or Indian or any other, well, why not also from Sweden? Seems like it's perfectly reasonable to me. And again, I don't know anybody who believes that that's that's the only way Jesus appears or ever comes across. It seems rather strange. The other thing Don talked about in his interview on The View, again, I'm reading from a uh, National File article. Uh, He talked about God does not come to judge. This is an old one, isn't it, Emily? Is God judgmental? Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. All right, next question. Next I mean, we saw that one. But I think a lot of people want him not to judge But it goes back to like the gospel today, when Jesus asked the man, do you want to be well? I think if we're honest, a lot of people will say, no, I'm not ready. It's like uh, what St. Augustine said, give me chastity, but not yet. Right. I think that's really the heart of people who who would say that God does not judge. But in fact, God does judge. God actually has a whole day dedicated to judging. It's called the Day of Judgment.
5: <laughs> I was I was talking about this actually last night. There may night. be t-shirts involved. <laughs> uh, no, that sounds horrible. No, uh, my I was talking to my parents about this last night. We were talking about the second coming and how uh, – and it, it is really profound. It's really profound – and it's lost today. But the the truth is our Lord when he came originally uh first and at the Nativity, he humbles himself as a babe. Um and then at the uh during our lifetime, he humbles himself under the appearance of bread and wine, and he comes in humility and meekness and in mercy. But at the second coming, he comes in judgment and in grandeur and glory. Um and that will be the day of fear and trembling. That'll be the day uh when all should fear the justice of God. So I, I do think this is something important. That we need to recognize, and if we meditate on these things, you can't help but repent. You can't help uh, but try to reform your life and con- and and point yourself directly to heaven and Amen. nothing else. What's on your radar, there, Emily?
0: Let's see. For the headlines, I've got lots of places we could go. Um, for the next segment, we're going to talk about how Texas Attorney General Ken Paxton is suing the city of Austin because Austin is refusing to end their lockdown restrictions even though texas has lifted the the mask mandates etc um and then there's also this release out of project veritas where their global planning chief really high up in the in the facebook hierarchy there was criticizing mark zuckerberg and saying he has too much power and he's even saying that these, um, these big tech giants like Facebook and WhatsApp and Google are like small countries and they have power over billions and billions of people. So they're aware, like the, the bureaucrats, the, the people who are high up in big tech, they're aware of how much power they hold mm. and how much of an influence they can have over our daily lives. Um, so that's just kind of concerning me.
4: Yeah. I mean, th- think about Facebook. It is the, largest ads platform on planet earth and it's the most advanced ads platform in the history of humanity they facebook tracks so many data points of all of their billions of users now so they know what you like and what you don't like i as a person who has spent personal money on facebook to advertise the data that I can access, your credit card spins, what kind of cars do you drive? How many kids do you have? What colleges do they go to? I mean, I can I can go down to the granular level of the kinds of info, uh, data and information about you and your life that will make your head spin, which is why when you see ads, uh, in a, you're inundated with ads in your feed, um, you, you're knowing that they're targeting you in particular. They're not just throwing a wide net. They are hyper-targeting you for a reason uh and the psychology behind their platform it is mind-boggling so to say that they are they are like little kingdoms well i would say it's a huge kingdom what kingdom on earth in the history of the planet has ever had two billion citizens i mean that's facebook right now i guess that also includes their whatsapp instagram and whatever else very very concerning right Uh, we're about to go to break we're gonna come back with uh Uh, breaking news and stories again, and then Mr. Julio Laredo, president of TFP in Italy, will be on to discuss the Pope's comments. He's got a couple stories out about uh, a new world order, about not blessing same-sex unions. We'll have that conversation plus more. Uh, We'll ask about lockdowns, the AstraZeneca vaccine suppression. We'll ask about all of that stuff in the guest segment. But really quick, I was very surprised this morning. I saw an article on The Blaze that said just 35% of New Yorkers Say Cuomo should resign. Most are satisfied with his answers on sexual harassment allegations. Only 35% of New York thinks Cuomo should resign. Um, but it's not his his sexual allegations that are the biggest issue. It's the fact that thousands of senior citizens died under his care uh, from COVID. That's kind of crazy. And only 35%. We'll see you on the other side of the break.
3: This is Dale Alquist with a Chesterton Minute. Psalm 1, verse 1 says, Blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stand in the way of sinners, nor sit in the seat of scoffers. What does that mean? Don't hang around with bad people? No, according to G.K. Chesterton, it means something much better than that. He says that there are certain people who, because they are really pure, create a good atmosphere around themselves. They are truly children of light, and the light shines on everything they touch. When a righteous person stakes out a clear position, we recognize that it's something solid and vital and eternal. So it's not that hanging around bad people makes us bad, it's that being righteous can help make the people hanging around us righteous too. Want more than a minute? Chesterton.org
5: Howdy, this is Adrian Fonseca, producer of the Catholic Drive Time Show. Heard Monday through Friday, 6 a.m. Central and 7 a.m. Eastern, right here on the Guadalupe Radio Network. And I'm proud to tell you that Real Estate for Life is an underwriter of Catholic Drive Time real estate for life connects home buyers and sellers to real estate agents while supporting pro-life organizations offering their clients a faith-based experience they are online at realestateforlife.org that's realestateforlife.org god love you
0: welcome back to the catholic drive time show today is tuesday march 16th and these are your headlines for today Texas Attorney General Ken Paxton said on Thursday that his office is suing officials in the city of Austin and Travis County for failing to comply with a governor order that lifts a mask mandate across the state. Abbott lifted a statewide mask mandate that was enforced in mid-2020 and is working toward loosening other restrictions on businesses so they can operate again at full capacity. Just a week after Abbott issued his order, officials in Austin and Travis County announced that they intend to contravene the order by keeping their existing health rules in place through April 15th, with the possibility of extension. Paxton told Adler and Brown that Abbott's order has the force and effect of state law and supersedes local rules and regulations, and that the decision to require masks or impose other pandemic restrictions is reserved to private businesses on their own premises. He demanded on Wednesday that Austin officials rescind their local mask mandates and other restrictions by 6 p.m., and as they refuse to comply, Paxton is filing his court challenge. Project Veritas released a new report in which Facebook's global planning chief acknowledges the vast extent of CEO Mark Zuckerberg's power and pleads for government intervention to stop the company from doing a lot of damage in the world. The undercover footage published by Project Veritas shows Benny Thomas criticizing the power in Zuckerberg's hands, saying, quote, No king in the history of the world has been the ruler of two billion people, but Mark Zuckerberg is, and he's 36. That's too much for a 36-year-old. You should not have power over two billion people. I just think that's wrong. Thomas described Facebook's growing tech monopoly as wielding too much power, arguing that Instagram, Facebook, Messenger, and WhatsApp, they all need to be separate companies. He added that he would, quote, "...break it up and I would remove Zuck as the CEO." Thomas went so far as to describe Facebook and Google as no longer companies, but countries, saying, quote, "...they're more powerful than any country. They must be stopped." And Cardinal Raymond Burke called for recent directions from Pope Francis' Secretariat of State that bans private masses in St. Peter's Basilica in Rome to be rescinded since they're contrary to and in direct violation of universal church law. In a statement, Cardinal Burke said... For the sake of the Catholic faith and for the good order of the sacred liturgy, the highest and most perfect expression of the Church's life in Christ, the document in question should be rescinded immediately, that is, before its supposed effective date of March 22nd. The Vatican's Secretariat of State circulated a note on March 12th with details of new dispositions restricting all individual masses in St. Peter's, with special, even more restrictive measures for the traditional rite. The note, which was unsigned, stated, among other things, that individual celebrations are suppressed. Cardinal Burke said the new rules caused the faithful and, above all, priests, the deepest concerns. I'm Emily Alcaraz, and these are your Tuesday morning headlines through a Catholic lens.
4: Praise be to Jesus Christ in all things. Thank you, Emily, for keeping us up to date on the news. Uh, Real quick, I want to thank Real Estate for Life, realestateforlife.org, for generously underwriting a portion of Catholic Drive Time. They help to connect buyers and sellers to support pro-life organizations and to provide a faith-based experience for their clients their website is realestateforlife.org. also wanted to ask, I wonder if any of our superfans out there uh, are on Reddit regularly. Boy, it would be great to have some representation on Reddit. If you are and you want to become a sort of an ambassador of Catholic Drive Time, uh, contact Adrian and uh, let us know that you're available to help with that. We would surely love to have you. Uh, adrian, your, your email is adrian at com. That's correct adrian at grnonline.com you can also contact us contact us through our website grnonline.com forward slash cdt god love you sean thank you for uh, sharing our video today and joining us right now via zoom chat uh president of tfp in italy mr julio laredo good morning
1: to you sir good morning to you and i'm very happy to be here with you yeah praise be to
4: god there's a lot to discuss there's a lot of news coming out of out of uh the Vatican, out of Europe, there's lockdowns, apparently, that are going back in uh, into play there. The AstraZeneca uh, cl- blood clot reports are on the rise around <laughs> Europe. Of course, uh, the suppression of the holy mass, private masses, at least at the Basilica. Uh, Where does one start? I mean, then there's the Pope's comments uh, more recently. The New World Order is an issue. And then, of course, not blessing same-sex unions. Mr. Julio Laredo, where would you like to discuss in this hot mess of news articles?
1: Well, I can begin with Cardinal Burke's document very quickly um, because it's a real atomic bomb. It's a hydrogen bomb. And you know that it's causing trouble because media are not speaking about it. I mean, Catholic media are, of course, but I mean, the general media, the public media are not speaking about it. And that means that they, they don't like it. And there's uh, there's something that they don't like in that doc- document. Because you see, every priest in the world takes pride in having celebrated Mass at least once in the Vatican. So when we are speaking about Uh, uh, prohibiting private masses in the Vatican. We're not speaking about Italian clergy. We're we're not speaking about European clergy. We're speaking about clergy from all over the world. Imagine an African priest that comes from I don't know where. Uh, He he gets some money. He gets to pay his ticket to Rome. He comes to Rome and he wants to celebrate Mass in St. Peter because St. Peter is the parish of all us Catholics throughout the world. So Forbidden, forbidden private masses in St. Peter's not only against uh, universal church law, as Cardinal Burke, Burke says, but it's absolutely anti-pastoral, it's absolutely anti-merciful. Uh, so I, re- I really don't, don't, don't know what was in their heads, so much so that the document is absolutely illegal in its form and in its contents, It's an unsigned document with no number uh, or no protocol number given by a Vatican body, the Secretariat uh, of State, which has no authority whatsoever in the liturgical field and less authority in the Basilica of of St. Peter. For the Basilica of St. Peter is the Cardinal Archpriest of of St. Peter, Cardinal Comastri, and for the lit- liturgy is the Congregation for the Rites and the Discipline of the Sacraments, which is void, is vacant, because Cardinal Sarah just uh, renounced. But anyway, it's a totally illegal document that causes much trouble even at a pastoral level. So this is a real hydrogen bomb that Cardinal Burke, who, remember, he was prefect of the Signatura Apostolica, which means um, attorney general of the church, so he's speaking as a jurist, he's speaking this document is not only doctrinally wrong it's legally a void invalid
4: mr julio laredo is our guest he is the president of tfp in italy um i i think it was brie dale yesterday was saying that to this point the the vatican hasn't actually officially commented or responded to any of the journalists inquiries about the document so it's there. Some journalists, like Edward Penton, have said they have verified that it is an official document, but through anonymous sources, nothing official. Uh, what, is, what do you think that means? The fact that the, the Vatican isn't commenting on the article, on the, on, the, uh, on the new rule, the new policy, the new procedure. They're not responding to journalists, asking questions about it. What do you think that's supposed to mean, Mr. Laredo?
1: Well, that's part of the way Pope, Pope, uh, Pope, Pope Francis does things he he has broken with up every single rule in the in the Vatican way of doing of doing of doing things for example never in the history of the church has an interview written by a journalist a scalfari uh, been incorporated into the papal doc- documents in the acta Apostolici sedis etc etc so i think it's just one one further step of the way Pope Francis does things, which is absolutely out of the rules. So what we have to, to, uh, um, uh, question itself is not so much that if this doc- document is legal or it's not legal, because it's an official doc- document illegally issued, but on the concrete world, will it be applied as it says that it, it, it should be? And that will be, uh, that will be very, very bad.
4: Let's transition to this other story about the Pope's comments on same-sex unions. According to an article published by The Blaze, he says, The Vatican published a document on Monday saying that the Catholic Church would not bless same-sex unions, a statement that likely let down a number of Catholics who identify as LGBTQ. Um, I guess those of us who uh, hold the the Church's teaching, we just— this is not news to us. Of course the church can't bless same-sex unions. Why do you think this is such a monumental story at this point, Mr. Julio Laredo?
1: Now, it's a monumental story uh, because, first, first, first of all, it was issued by the Congregation for the Doctrine of the Faith. We know that officially the Congregation for the Doctrine of the Faith, having as its as mission to up, uh, uphold Catholic uh, orthodoxy, is directly under the Pope, so every any document the Congregation issues has to be undersigned by the Pope. In that sense, it is a papal document. Second, it comes in a moment where the LGBTQ, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, because if you stop at the queue, you are discriminating against the other 99 or 100. I don't know genders that they've come up with so be careful to say lgbtq because you're 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 being uh uh discriminative hold that thought mr julio laredo we got to go to a quick
4: break we're going to be right back we're gonna have a conversation we'll continue our conversation rather with mr julio laredo he is the president of tfp in italy talking about the pope's comments there's still the comment about the new world order and there's there's just so much more so don't go anywhere. On the other side of this very quick break, we'll jump right back into a Cap drive time. We'll be right back.
6: If St. Benedict ordered your day, he would give you balance.
3: One Minute Monk, Abbot Placid Solari of Belmont Abbey.
6: In his rule of St. Benedict, he taught that to achieve that balance, we should divide the day between work, prayer, reading, and rest. The parts can expand and contract as needs and seasons demand, yet they always stay balanced. Most of us do not have St. Benedict scheduling our days, but we can learn from him. We may sometimes feel that we live to work, that something is missing, and that often our schedule is not entirely in our control. St. Benedict encourages us to plan for balance and bring our life into peaceful order.
3: For your free copy of The Rule of St. Benedict, Visit OneMinuteMonk.com OneMinuteMonk.com
6: We have to choose to include prayer, reading, and rest to balance our day and be flexible about them. Without them, though, we just, well, live to work.
0: Hi, I'm Emily Alcaraz, and I'm the co-host of the Catholic Drive Time Show, which airs from Monday to Friday at 6 a.m. Central Time. I'm excited to announce our partnership with our new underwriter, Real Estate for Life. Real Estate for Life offers a faith-based experience while supporting the gospel of life. They work with over 1,000 pro-life agents worldwide and generously support a variety of pro-life organizations. Their website is realestateforlife.org. That's realestateforlife.org.
4: To Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McLean. It's so good to be on with you this morning. Praise be to God. We're talking about some uh, controversial statements that were made by His Holiness Pope Francis recently in, in regards to uh, blessing same-sex unions. I don't find them all that controversial. I'm sure. I'm sure. Uh, people who uh, are more conservative in their in their social values i 'm sure wouldn 't find them all that controversial at all, uh, but somehow some way in our day and age, people think that the pope should should uh, do away with church teaching for some odd reason, I, I don't, especially ones that go all the way back. Uh, it seems strange. But, Emily, I know, before we jump back on with Mr. Julio, recently there was a comment by uh, – you remember when the Vatican was dis- – it discovered that donor dollars sent to the Vatican for Peter Spence was used to fund the m- movie uh, The Rocket Man, uh, a man who is uh, openly gay and, and living in, uh, in in inappropriate relationships – Donor Dollar Small of the world was used to fund that film.
0: Right. So the film Rocket Man was uh, the biopic about Elton John's life and about his quote unquote marriage to his husband. And he actually tweeted about this. He tweeted, how can the Vatican refuse to bless gay marriages because they are sin, yet happily make a profit from investing millions in Rocket Man? a film which celebrates my finding happiness from my marriage to David. Hashtag hypocrisy.
4: It does seem that, doesn't it? It seems rather confusing. How can we in one way support it by giving millions of dollars to it and the other way say we're not going there? That's
0: such a valid question, and I would like an answer to it as well.
4: (laughs) Well, let's ask Mr. Julio Laredo. (laughs) Mr. Julio Laredo, welcome back to our show. Before we went to the break, you were commenting on the Pope's comments on not blessing same-sex unions, but uh, the Rocket Man seems to make a legitimate point here. It seems
1: hypocritical coming out of the Vatican. Not only the rocket man, but uh, facts. For example, uh, why are homosexual couples normally received in the Vatican? I remember a year or two ago, homosexual couple was refused blessing, quotations, uh, in Valencia, in Spain. uh, And the, the couple that was refused the blessing went to the Vatican and they were blessed in the Vatican by Pope Francis. Blessing. I'm not speaking about marriage. And uh, so, and this was this was read as a um, as a rejoinder to the bishop who had refused that blessing. So this document that that was published yesterday uh, really flies in the in the in the face of so many other things that the Vatican is doing. It, I there's still I go back to the
4: controversial elements of this, and it does seems, it seems rather crazy to me. That so many people would be um, offended that the Pope would even – I mean, this was supposed to be the cool Pope. This was supposed to be uh, the Pope – I remember when he was elected, uh, and I was listening to some commentary from some uh, people who are very liberal, and they were saying, you know, for the first time in my Catholic life, I feel like the Church is with me instead of against me. There was real anticipation for His Holiness Pope Francis uh, to support same-sex unions, Uh, And yet now that he's come out and does not uh, support this, it seems rather peculiar how much uh, vitriol he's receiving in the news about it. But at the same time... Why is it that Catholics, whether they're liberals or conservatives, why do Catholics seem to forget the Church has teaching that it does not have the authority to change no matter what it feels about it, no matter what the politics are of the day, no matter what the majority of people say they ought to be, conservative or liberal, why are we always so surprised when the Church has to defend Church teaching?
1: You touched a very important point, a central, a central point. If, if you read the doc- document of the Congregation of, uh, for, for the Doctrine of the Faith, it says the Church does not have the authority to bless same-sex marriage because the Church cannot legislate against God's law. It cannot legislate against natural law, which is God's God's law embedded in nature. So the Church doesn't have the authority. To do such a thing and i'm 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 very i'm very pleased with the doc the the documents but as i said this is a pastoral pontificate so we have to see concretely in the concrete fields what's going to happen
4: let's transition to another story let's talk about the pope's comments on the new world order this is an article by breitbart.com It says, Pope Francis insists in a new book, things will never be the same in a post-pandemic world, calling instead for the establishment of a new world order. Um, Mr. Julio, I always get nervous when I hear anybody call for a new world order. Have you heard this statement out of the Pope or similar statements in the past? I know he's made similar statements in the past. When you hear him say these things, what do you think, Mr. Julio Laredo? Well,
1: I think two things. First of all, I would like a new world order. I would like a restoration <laughs> of Christendom. Amen. Yes. <laughs> and that's that's new in, in the sense that it's new with regards to, to what we're having today. It's world, hopefully, and it's an order. is the only real order in the universe because it's the order according to God's law. Now, we're not speaking about that order. We're speaking of a new order, which is... The one being uh, proposed by the World Economic Forum, by the United Nations, by the, by the powers to be in the world. And it also makes me nervous when not only the Pope, but any ecclesiastical figure goes, goes with that because the church has, has, has to be a sign of contradiction. It's not the church that has to follow the world, but the church that has to teach the world. Our, Our Lord, Jesus Christ didn't say go and dialogue with all the peoples, etc. Say go and teach all the all the peoples, whosoever will will believe will be saved, and whosoever who whosoever will refuse you will be condemned. I mean that's the role of the church. When I see a church uh, authority going along with a plan that is obviously non not Catholic and even anti Catholic in some of its aspects, i I also get very uh, very worried.
0: Right. And actually, I, I remember reading Familiaris Consortio for a university project and John Paul II, St. John Paul II also uses the term New World Order in that document. Of course, um, if you're talking about a Christendom or something like that, it's not necessarily a bad concept. But the the problem with that is that the phrase has such a bad connotation now, especially in our day and age. Adrian, did you have something to say?
5: Uh, yes, I was just wondering, with uh, five minutes left uh, in the show, I was wondering, how do we fight against this uh, revolution we're having in the church today, in the culture today, but especially when it's in the church? It seems like I, I, we all have this initial reaction, which is a right reaction, to want to uh, give deference to our bishops, to our priests, and, uh, and of course, to the Holy Father, but with so many confusing and… Um, chaotic statements coming around from bishops uh, the holy father from our parish priests uh, how, how do we fight against the revolution in this manner
1: well uh, in, in in fact it's very it's very easy there's a psalm you were speaking uh, about judge, judging god judging or not judging just just before i came into the show well there's a psalm that, that says uh, uh, speaking to god udvinkas kum judicaris you will vanquish when you judge. Because God doesn't judge. He is justice. Things are defined in relation as to how they relate to him. If they relate in the correct way, they are automatically judged in the positive way. If they relate to him in a negative way, they are, they are automatically condemned. So God is. And what we have to be is we have to just be Catholics we have to be what we have always been for 2000 years and as joe said we shouldn't go with the last uh, speech with the last thing the church has 2000 years the church has a magisterium which has 20 centuries and we have to keep on uh, sticking to that magisterium we have to keep on sticking to that to that column and it's Things that will define themselves in relation to that column, not the other way around. So just be Catholics and that's it.
4: We have just a couple of minutes left in our conversation with Mr. Julio Laredo, president of TFP in Italy, Tradition, Family and Property. Uh, real quick, can I get you to comment on the, on the two things, the lockdowns that are happening again in Italy? What, or what is the impact on the people there? And then these reports of blood clots uh, related to AstraZeneca and these countries all over Europe starting to suspend that particular COVID vaccine. What are your thoughts on those two with just a couple of minutes left?
1: Yeah, well, my own personal opinion on the AstraZeneca thing is that it's more political than medical. Because we, uh, there just been six cases of uh, thrombosis in more than two million, uh, uh, vaccines. So that's medically absolutely, um, nothing. So I read in this, in this, um, uh, laws that are being given not only in Italy, but in Europe against AstraZeneca. I read a political motivation against Great Great Britain, perhaps a retaliation for Brexit. I don't know, but medically speaking, and, I, and I, I've studied medicine, I've spoken with uh, several doctors, said that medically speaking, six cases in two million is absolutely nothing. So it's not by through medical reasons that they are doing, they are doing this. Now, as for the lockdowns, here in Italy, we uh, starting yes- yesterday, we, we, went, we went back into the red zone. So it's a hard uh, uh, lockdown, and Italy is suffering a lot. And I don't know how much, how, how longer can it, can, it, uh, can it stand it. Whereas countries that are using a very, very uh, different approach are going right ahead with no problem.
0: Do you think we'll have an in-person Easter in the Vatican this year?
1: No, because uh, this, uh, the, lock, the lockdown goes all the way to Easter. Thanks God, the masses haven't been uh, suspended as they were in large, last, last March and April. But uh, very, very few people are uh, attending mass, masses uh, because of the fear of getting, of getting the virus.
4: All right. That's going to do it for our conversation with Mr. Julio Laredo, president of TFP in Italy. Thank you, sir, for being on our program. God love you and God bless you. Thank you. God bless you all. Have a great day. That's going to do it for hour number one of Catholic Drive Time. Thank you for being on the show with us this hour. Very grateful to you. If you can join us in the next hour, we'd surely love to have you. Of course, our game show happens in the next hour. It's a lot of fun. You learn something new about your faith and you might even win a very cool prize. All of that coming up in the next hour. If you can join us either on the radio or on one of our uh, live video feeds, Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, you can find all the links to those over on our website, grnonline.com forward slash CDT, grnonline.com forward slash CDT. God love you, God bless you, and we'll see you then. Thank you for
2: joining us on Your Catholic Drive Time
3: I had a theology professor who told me that Adam and Eve were just myths and that the rest of Genesis was all just legend. Is that what the church teaches?
8: Absolutely not. The church has always taught that Adam and Eve were real people and were the first human beings from whom all other human beings are descended. In 1950, Pope Pius XII in the encyclical Humani Generis states The faithful cannot embrace the opinion that after Adam there existed on this earth true men who did not take their origin through natural generation from Adam or that Adam represents a certain number of first parents. In other words, the church teaches that all humanity descended from Adam and Eve. They were real people. Paragraph 38. This encyclical, in fact, clearly points out the first 11 chapters of Genesis do nevertheless pertain to history in a true sense. Again, Adam and Eve are not myths, and the rest of Genesis is not legend. Genesis is history in a true sense. Paragraph 39, therefore whatever of the popular narrations have been inserted into the sacred scriptures must in no way be considered on a par with myths or other such things. Can it be stated any clearer than that? The Catechism says, Paragraph 375, The Church teaches that our first parents, Adam and Eve, no mention of a myth here, Paragraph 404, By yielding to the tempter, Adam and Eve committed a personal sin. Someone please tell me how to myths commit personal sins. Adam and Eve's are not myths. Genesis does not contain myth or legend. That is Church teaching challenge anyone who teaches differently to produce their sources from a magisterial document they can't do it they can however produce countless books and articles by theologians not good enough
2: a beacon of truth in a troubled world this is the guadalupe radio network radio for your soul
5: Heard it said, don't put off tomorrow what you can do today. So instead of letting your unused vehicle sit idle one more day,
7: why not donate it to the Guadalupe Radio Network? Just call 1 866 628 2277 or come by grnonline.com and click on Donate Now. That's 1 866 628 2277 or come by grnonline.com and click Donate Now. Later model cars or trucks are greatly appreciated. Seize the day
5: by calling 1 866 2277.
2: Welcome to your
0: Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired.
1: We love God, we ought to be able to talk about Him.
2: Getting you started on your day.
0: With the latest in breaking news and
2: information from the Vatican to the White House and everything in between. It's serious, it's fun, it's your Catholic Drive Time. With Joe McClain and Emily Alcaraz. Praise
4: Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McLean. It is so good to be on with you. Praise be to God. Good morning to you. Have you uh, had your coffee yet today? I haven't finished, I'm very close to finishing my first 20 ounces for the day. I wonder how much coffee do you drink? I prefer at least a pot, sometimes two. No, I'm teasing, I don't quite go to two pots, but sometimes it could be a pot and a half easy. So we have a long way to go today on that, but, but by the grace of God, we have a great hour in front of us. We just wrapped up a, a conversation with Mr. Julio Laredo, president of TFP in Italy. Again, we will post that conversation later today on YouTube and on Rumble and Facebook and elsewhere. You can find all the links on our website, grnonline.com forward slash CDT. Very insightful about the uh, shenanigans going on across Europe and all the stories coming out of the Vatican. So it was a good conversation. But in this hour, we are going to have our game show plus the after show. And of course, as you know, by now, if you've been listening to Catholic Drive Time for any time, you know that the after show is driven by you, our audience. You get to decide what we talk about, what we don't talk about, where that conversation goes. And almost always the conversation is quite interesting. So we're very grateful for your participation in that. So stick around if you're able to. Uh, of course, the team is here. Good morning to you, Emily.
0: Good morning, Joe. That was such a great conversation with uh, Mr. Laredo. We really just had him talk about everything. We like, had a, like, all the day.
4: <laughs> yeah. I threw the I threw the the whole kitchen soup out a uh, kitchen sink at him. With it. <laughs> all these articles, like here, take that. <laughs> I want your comments on all of these. He did great. He always has great things to say. Yeah, yeah. it was great. Praise be to God. Good morning. Uh, speaking of great things to say,
5: a- Adrian Fonseca is here on the ones and twos. Good morning. Good morning. Uh, it's so funny because. Uh, Mr. Laredo actually has his own radio show in Italy, and he uh, told me last time he was on, he goes, yes, American radio is uh, very fast-paced. They talk about so many different things. Uh, He's used to doing uh, one One subject and talking about that for a long period of time. So we get him on our show, and we like throw 20 stories at him, (laughs) comment on it in 30 seconds.
4: Yeah. You know, I just had a thought, too. We we need to get a guest lined up to talk about uh, oil and gas. You know, good news, bad news this morning. Uh, I was able to uh, gas up my car so I can get to work. Um, You know, the bad news is gas prices are approaching $3 a gallon in Texas. The good news is I was able to get a bank loan with some decent interest rates in order to put (laughs) put gas in my car to get to work. So we should... uh, I don't know why I thought of that as yours. (laughs) Not related I don't know, but
5: you can find the interview with Mr. Laredo on YouTube at Catholic Drive Time and on Facebook at Catholic Drive Time and on Rumble at Catholic Drive Time. So I just wanted to throw that out there. Yeah. Praise be to God. All right. So we're going to do breaking news and stories with Emily. And then, of course, we're
4: going to do Saint of the Day, Gospel of the Day. And then we will jump into our fear and trembling game show. And if you've never played, well, why not make today the day that you play? Uh, it'll be a wonderful opportunity to have you on the program. Yesterday, we had our first ever Kansas caller. That is super awesome. I don't believe we've ever had a caller from Alabama. I don't believe we've ever had a caller. Have we had a Pennsylvania caller yet? I'm not sure. Maybe. 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 Uh, Pennsylvania, Massachusetts has been on. Uh, we've had New York on, praise be to God. Texas, obviously, is a, is a, a constant companion. Uh, New Mexico, we'd love to hear from you. So wherever you are listening to us right now, uh, do consider being a contestant. If you've never played or it's been at least a month, keep the phone number handy. We'll give it out here in just a few minutes. But let us pray. Whatever your intentions are. We're going to include them with our intentions here at the show and our radio apostolate, and we're going to ask Our Lady to intercede for all of us. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. Remember, O most gracious Virgin Mary, that never was it known that anyone who fled to thy protection, implored thy help, or sought thine intercession was left unaided. Inspired by this confidence, I fly unto thee, O Virgin of virgins, my mother. To thee do I come. Before thee I stand, sinful and sorrowful, O Mother of the Word incarnate, Despise not my petitions, but in thy mercy. Hear and answer me. Amen. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. And now the headlines with Emily Alcaraz. The NCAA men's
0: basketball tournament brackets are set, and Loyola University Chicago is back with their MVP, Sister Jean. Sister Jean Dolores Schmidt became a household name in 2018 when the Cinderella Story Loyola Chicago team made it all the way to the Final Four. As school chaplain, she has led pregame prayer since 1994 and became a familiar sight on national TV, cheering on her team from the sidelines as they advanced through March Madness. Now at age 101 in the midst of the COVID-19 pandemic, Sister Jean wants to be there to help push her team to victory. This is the first year that Sister Jean hasn't been able to attend any games. She's been busy with physical therapy and with her work in campus ministry, but she has been leading the Loyola basketball team's prayers virtually this season. Archaeologists working in Egypt have reported the discovery of a 5th century Christian ruin. The find is significant as the first evidence of such an early Christian monastic presence in the region. The excavation was conducted by a team of archaeologists from France and Norway. The report notes that the site, located just south of Cairo, was dated to a time of great activity in the area from the 4th to the 8th centuries. Twenty structures were discovered in the excavation. These included a church and many small chambers believed to be monks' cells. Within the church, the team found that the walls were adorned with religious inscriptions in Greek. Also found were ancient forms of Christian graffiti and holy symbols of the Coptic tradition. The ruins. The ruins are evidence that Christian monks maintained a monastic presence in the region since the 5th century, and the site could be instrumental in understanding the development of buildings and the formation of the first monastic communities in Egypt. And this Friday, March 19th, is the Solemnity of St. Joseph. According to the Code of Canon Law, abstinence from meat is to be observed on all Fridays unless a solemnity should fall on a Friday. St. Joseph's Feast Day is a solemnity, the highest order of liturgical feast, meaning that Catholics are to observe it similar to a Sunday. It is a day of celebration, meaning any type of fasting or abstinence from meat is temporarily lifted on that day. Cardinal Joseph Tobin of Newark, New New Jersey said, A most fitting way to celebrate the solemnity is a festive meal with your household and a gift to one of our food pantries or soup kitchens to ensure that the poor will celebrate as well. I'm Emily Alcaraz, and these are your Tuesday morning
4: headlines through a Catholic lens. Praise be to Jesus Christ in all things, St. Herbert of Cologne. Pray for us. St. Herbert was born in 970 in Worms in Germany. You might remember the Diet of Worms. Martin Luther, remember all of that? Well, uh, well before any of that happened, St. Herbert was the son of a Duke there, Duke Hugo of Worms. He was educated well at the Cathedral School. And he would eventually go on to become the provost of the cathedral, ordained in 994, chancellor for Italy, and he would eventually become chancellor for Germany as well, as well as the archbishop of Cologne uh, in July of 999. He attended the deathbed of King Otto in Paterno and had some issues with his successor, King Henry II, and was imprisoned uh, briefly uh, as a result of those issues with King Henry II. However, he did recognize the king on June seventh, one 1002, and immediately uh, became one of his advisors, in fact. I founded and endowed the Benedictine Monastery in the Church of Deutz in Germany. He was uh, very instrumental in bringing about many miracles as a result to fervent prayer, including the end of a drought. He was honored as a saint even in his lifetime. He died on the 16th of March, 1021, at Cologne and was beatified by Pope St. Gregory the Seventh in 1075. St. Herbert of Cologne, pray for us. The Gospel today comes from John, chapter 5, verses 1 through 16. There was a feast of the Jews, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now there is in Jerusalem at the Sheep Gate a pool called in Hebrew Bethesda, with five porticos. In these lay a large number of ill, blind, lame, and crippled. One man was there who had been ill for thirty-eight years. When Jesus saw him lying there and knew that he had been ill for a long time, he said to him, Do you want to be well? The sick man answered him, Sir, I have no one to put me into the pool when the water is stirred up. While I'm on my way, someone else gets down there before me. Jesus said to him, Rise, take up your mat, and walk. Immediately the man became well, took up his mat, and walked. Now that day was a Sabbath. So the Jews said to the man who was cured, It is the Sabbath, and it is not lawful for you to carry your mat. He answered them, The man who made me well told me, Take up your mat and walk. They asked him, Who is the man who told you, Take it up and walk? The man who was healed did not know who it was, For Jesus had slipped away. Since there was a crowd there, after this Jesus found him in the temple area and said to him, Look, you are well, do not sin any more, so that nothing worse may happen to you. The man went and told told the Jews that Jesus was the one who had made him well. Therefore the Jews began to persecute Jesus, because he did this on the Sabbath. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ um did you guys catch that uh sort of that subtlety to you remember uh the passage when Jesus takes the woman caught in adultery and they're trying to stone her and he's writing in the sand? I love the speculation I know I'm gonna relate this in a minute, but I love the speculation of Jesus writing the sins of the people with the stones. You know, like, think of how powerful that would be, like, him writing them out, like, I know your heart. I know you. So he who is without sin cast the first stone. Oops. And they drop their stones and leave. And then he tells the woman, go and sin no more. You know, I I, I find when pe- when especially priests, preach on that particular passage, um, they either emphasize the go and sin no more or they downplay the go and sin no more. I rarely find both and. I usually find either or. But in this particular passage, I I think it's important to point out that Jesus comes to find him and says, do not sin anymore. And I I was personally reminded by this to say, well, two things. One, Jesus asking, do you want to be well? And then, of course, do not sin anymore. We go to confession, you know, we're confessing our sins, we're receiving sacramental graces, and then, of course, go and sin no more. Now... Adrian, there's a great link here, right? For, in order for the sacrament of
5: confession, reconciliation to be valid, we have to be contrite and we have to try to avoid sin, do we not? Absolutely. It's necessary to have a firm purpose of amendment, uh, which means that you have to at least attempt to not commit the sin again. If you have no intention of not committing the sin again, then your confession is invalid. Yeah. Um, Why do you think people priests in particular
4: preaching on this, why do you think they're uncomfortable with one or the other and rarely preach on – it's like either or. It's either mercy or justice,
5: but it's rarely both. Why do you think that that could be the case? Well, I can't speak to the heart of any individual priest, but the passage here, Cornelius Halapide actually talks a little bit about this in regards to the pool. Uh, see, he when he talks about the pool of water – He makes a note that this symbolizes the spiritual life because God will have the grace available to you, but he will not put you into the pool. The pool is there, but it's the first person who gets in uh, when nobody knows when that will be. But the first one to get there will be the one who is healed. And this is a re- analogy of the spiritual life because God has the grace ready for you. He has the grace re- ready for you. And are you ready to go in and take it? So, it's a both ends. You have to go and you have to do an action. You have to go out and uh, repent. You have to sin no more. You have to have a firm purpose of amendment. You need to go to the sacraments. But at the same time, you are completely reliant upon the mercy of God uh, for him to act, giving you the grace, giving you that sanctifying grace. It's very necessary to have both. You got to want it. And... That, and then
4: after receiving that grace, it's gotta have an impact. It has to have an impact on your life. I mean, we were talking in the last conversation with Mr. Julio about, uh, the Pope's comments on blessing same-sex unions. As if the church rejects people who struggle with same-sex attraction. Of course it does not reject any human being, no matter the sin that they're struggling with. The church doesn't reject me for all the sins that I, that I've committed or have struggled with, but it does challenge me that it, that To believe in Christ has to have an implication in my life. It has to alter the way I think and behave and and the things that I do, especially in relationships around me. And I think this, this particular passage does emphasize this, does it not? Meet them where they're at, take them where they got to go. And I think too often times we can forget either one of those parts of the equation. We can forget to meet them where they're at, but we can also forget to take them where they've got to go. It's heaven or bust, and uh, and I'm grateful for this passage to remind this uh, to remind me of this during the holy season of Lent. So praise be to God. For that. All right, we're going to go to break, and then we have uh, Fear and Dremeling game show up next. So we're looking for our caller. You, my dear listener, could be the contestant today, and you do not even need to know the questions. You don't even need to know the answers to the questions. Uh, you're almost guaranteed to get into the coffee cup of Divine Providence and your chance to win the prize this week. All you got to do is call 877 757 9424. 877 757 9424. 877 775792424 call right now
6: 87775792424 Blessed John Paul II once said as the family goes so goes the nation and so goes the whole world in which we live
2: How easy it is to point fingers and place blame for the mess in which our society has found itself but stop just for a minute and ask What have I done to make it better? Is my family doing anything to improve the world?
6: Possibly the most effective thing a family can do for society is pray together regularly. Pray for our president every single day. Pray for all our government leaders, our bishops and priests, our teachers, our military our business owners.
2: Create a list of family petitions. If the teenager puts an anonymous prayer request on the list, let it be anonymous.
6: Prayer is our greatest weapon to change the nation and the world.
2: Remember what Father Patrick Payton said, the family that prays together stays together.
6: This has been a minute for your marriage and family with Balanced Families Ministries.
5: Joe
4: McClain! Praise be to Jesus Christ, and welcome back to Catholic Drive Time in Fear and Trembling, the Catholic Trivia Game Show, where we have a secret and hidden agenda of having to teach a little bit about the faith. You probably are going to learn something you Didn't know before, so that's a good thing. And then, of course, we like to laugh in the process, so we have a little chuckle, but not at the caller's expense. No, because we do not ask the caller the questions. Here's the kicker. We ask Emily, we ask Adrian the questions. The caller does not even need to know the answers to these questions, because one of Adrian or Emily will be right, and the other will be wrong. And the caller will have fifteen seconds to decide who do they trust more. Do they trust Emily? Do they trust Adrian? Hmm. And then every right answer goes into the coffee cup of Divine Providence to win this week's prize.
3: Tell them what they could win, Emily.
0: This week's prize sponsor is Just You can find Just Love Prince on Facebook, Pinterest, and Instagram. So Just Love Prince is A company started by Lindsay Treza, who is a Catholic artist, and she designs stickers and prints and all kinds of cool little gifts. This week, she's giving away uh, this image that she made called Love at First Sight, and it's an image of the Holy Family seeing the baby Jesus at the Nativity for the first time. It's a beautiful image.
4: Yeah, amen. Praise be to God. Uh, So you posted that over at Facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time.
0: Right, I've posted it on Facebook and Instagram. So if you want to see what the image looks like, you can go to our social media pages.
4: It's quite nice, actually. Uh, so I'm very excited for whoever is going to win this. My wife has really transformed our home over the years into a, a sort of a domestic church with beautiful religious art everywhere. We built a chapel in our home. So Religious imagery in your home is a powerful tool to inspire, to educate, and uh, and to uh, bond the family together, and this gift is going to help accomplish that in someone's home. So let us thank everybody who tries to call and be a part of our game show. We're so grateful to you, but let's go to the phones. Annette, good morning to you. Thank you for being on our program. Oh, good morning. Thank you for having me. Now, where are you calling from, Anyet? Uh, Annette. Annette. Oh, forgive me. Annette, where are you calling from? (laughs) Fort Worth, Texas. Fort Worth, Texas. Praise be to God. Now, where do you go to church there? Um, Well, I
9: go to, I belong to St. John the Apostle Catholic Church.
4: You obviously have been to your cathedral downtown. That is a a beautiful cathedral. Um, It's not Basilica-sized, but it is quite nice, actually, and I've had the pleasure of being in there a few times. Uh, So uh, we're very grateful that you're on the program today. Now, I noticed you've tried calling in before, so congratulations for finally getting in.
9: Oh, (laughs) you can see that. Well, thank you.
4: (laughs) Yeah, we're very grateful for your persistence. And and now you're here. You know how the game is played. uh, So you do realize you can't trust Emily or Adrian. They will try to fool you. uh, So you got to keep a careful ear out for them.
9: I sure will. I'm just kind of sad because I usually do this every morning, taking my grandchildren to school um, at St. George's, but um, we never get through. And now I'm through, and they're. Uh,
0: oh, and they're
4: asleep. <laughs> that is sad. I'm sorry. You can, in you can
0: call back again, that In a month, we'll, we'll have you back on. <laughs>
4: okay. <laughs> well, praise be to God. We love it when the kids are actually on the program as well. Yeah, it's so it, much fun. It is a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. So we'll be praying for your grandkids. They play
9: the game too. It's
4: wonderful. Yes, it's wonderful. it is. And they're usually quite good at it, actually. Yeah. So, All right. St. George. So your grandkids go to St. George. How wonderful. Praise be to God. All right. Are you ready to play, Annette? I am. Here we go. Emily, we will start with you, as is our custom. Are you ready? I'm ready. Are you sure? Yes. Are you sure? Absolutely. Here we go. Emily, can you tell me (laughs) what have been the three official languages used by the Western Church for divine worship from the time of Christ until Vatican II?
0: From the time of Christ until Vatican II. I know we definitely use Latin in the liturgy. Uh-huh. Agnus Dei, etc. cetera. Yep, yeah, um, yep. We definitely use Greek. Okay. Um, and the third one, I'm going to have to go with Syriac or Aramaic.
4: Oh, Aramaic. Yes. All right. Praise be to God. Aramaic, Greek, and Latin is your answer. Yes. Let's see what Adrian has to say. Adrian, can you tell me... What have been the three official languages used by the Western Church for divine worship from the time of Christ until Vatican II?
5: Huh, that's a good question. I'm going to go with, you know, at at the uh, cathedral in Houston, uh, they have mass in three languages uh, every now and then, and usually that is in Spanish, in English, and in Vietnamese. So that's what I'm going to go with. Spanish, English... And Vietnamese. That's what I'm going with. Okay. Adrian is on the hook for Spanish, English, and Vietnamese. <laughs> <laughs> and, sorry, something in my throat.
4: Uh, Emily is on the hook for Aramaic, Greek, and Latin. Survey says, 15 seconds on the clock. Who's right? Who's wrong?
9: <laughs> Annette. Emily is right. Uh, yeah.
7: Duh! <laughs>
3: Wow.
4: Duh. Oh, that was wonderful. <laughs> Do you owe her money, Adrian? I'm just curious.
0: <laughs> Annette, you're in. Is that one N or two N's in your name? That's two N's. Two wow. N's. Two T's. Okay, got it. Now I'm putting your name in the coffee cup of divine providence here. Congratulations.
4: Well, Annette, oh, thank uh, you so much. That must have been a really tough one for you. I mean, you, you were that just was, like, That was that was kind of hard. You were struggling <laughs> mightily to answer that question. Uh, well, oh praise be to goodness. God. I don't know what power you have over my producer, but uh, if maybe you can help me to get some stuff done around here. That'd I'm, be awesome.
5: I'm in a good mood today. Okay. All
4: right. Here we go. <laughs> <Wow. laughs> well, let's try the second question, see how it goes. Adrian, we'll start with you. Uh,
5: why did Jesus Christ found the church? Um, well, I guess he founded it for a number of reasons, but you know, for I'm going to go with um, for the salvation of souls to bring all men to eternal salvation. Nice pithy yep. answer. Very good. Yep, yep. All right, let's see what Emily has to say here. Emily, can you tell me why
4: did Jesus Christ found the church? I'm gonna say to give us a place of refuge from persecution. A refuge from persecution. Could be. So Adrienne is on the hook for the salvation of souls. And Emily is on the hook for a place of refuge from persecution. 15 seconds on the clock. Who's right? Who's wrong? Annette, what say you?
9: Well, they're both good answers. But on this one, I think I'm going to lean towards. Um,
4: what's his name? <laughs> Oh, I forgot my (laughs) name. Who owes you money? I'm Top Liver. I'm Top Liver. (laughs) Are you going with Adrian? Is that your answer? I'm going with Adrian. Survey says. Well done. Well done, done. done.
0: Annette. She's in twice.
4: (laughs) Yeah, they're throwing your curveballs over here, Annette, but you're you're batting them out of the park. So, (laughs) two for two. You're almost at a perfect score. How do you feel, Annette? I feel wonderful. I'm wide awake now, and I feel (laughs) (laughs) All right. Praise be to God. Let's try this third question here. Back to you, Emily. Are you ready? Okay, I'm ready. Here we go. What does incense symbolize? Oh, um,
0: incense symbolizes suffering, I think, because of the burning of the coals. Okay. I'm going to go suffering and hell because of the fire and the burning.
4: Wow. That's pretty good. That's stark. Okay. So Emily's on the hook for suffering and hell. Let's see what Adrian has to say. Adrian, can you tell me what
5: does incense symbolize? Um, yeah, the incense uh, symbolizes the zeal of Christians, the rising of the prayers to God and the odor of Christian virtue. Wow,
4: okay, that's a mouthful Uh, Adrian is on the hook for the zeal of the Christian The rising of prayers to God And the odor of Christian virtue As compared to what Emily is on the hook for Which is suffering And and the fires
0: of hell And hell
4: 15 seconds on the clock I don't know why you're laughing Who's right? Who's wrong?
9: (laughs) Because Who's obvious? Annette, (laughs) what say you? Well, the prince uses, I mean, the, the priest uses incense on the altar, so heaven forbid that it's the latter. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> so I'm going to
4: <laughs> <with Adrian laughs> on this. Wow. <laughs> where's, Yay. Where's my duh button again? Duh. Duh. Congratulations, Annette. <laughs> three for three. Well you, done. You, you weren't thrown at all by the I,
5: shenanigans of the team. I thought well the Coles was pretty good. Thought, I thought <laughs> it was pretty good. I think you guys did wonderful. Crazy. Thank Jesus. you, Annette.
4: So God three, bless you. Three chances in the coffee cup of Divine Providence uh, this week for the prize. God bless you, Annette. Thank you for your uh, persistence in trying to be on the game show. I've seen your name come up several times over the past few weeks. So God love you. Hopefully next time, a month from now, your grandkids will be in the car.
9: Well, hopefully that will happen. Well, thank you so much, too. God bless you both, all all
4: three of you. God love you. We're going to put you on hold so we can get your phone number in case it is God's will for you to be uh, pulled out of the coffee cup of divine providence on Friday. So make sure you tune in Friday to listen. That's going to do it for the radio side of Catholic Drive Time today. Praise be to God. The Holy Mass will begin airing here in a moment across the Guadalupe Radio Network. If you're going to go to Mass, please do us a favor. Keep us in your prayers. We would be grateful to you. But if you want to hang out for the next half hour, we're going to do the after show here in a few moments where we get a little more casual about the conversation. But you, my dear listener, get to drive the conversation. If you'd like to do that, you can just jump on one of the social streams, Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, search for GRN Online or Catholic Drive Time, or just go to our website and find the links. They're posted. GRNonline.com forward slash CDT. That's it. God love you. God bless you. We'll see you right back here, 6 a.m. Central, 7 Eastern, for another Catholic Drive Time tomorrow morning. Till then, I hey got Richie. Bless you. Thank you for joining
2: us on your Catholic Drive Time, where it is our pleasure to keep you informed and
0: inspired. Join us Monday through Friday at the same time, right here on your favorite Catholic radio station.
2: Don't forget to connect with us. Just go to Facebook. Catholic Drive
4: Time. Again, that's Facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Be sure to share more than just us
2: today. Share Jesus with everyone you meet.
1: Bye now, and God love
4: you. All right, praise be to Jesus Christ in all things. Welcome to the after show of Catholic Drive Time. Where we get a little more casual in our conversation, we let our hair down, and some of us have more hair than others, praise be to God. And you, my dear listener, get to drive the conversation. Uh, <laughs> I just saw a comment from our friend Christopher Chance over on Facebook. He says, Joe is not doing a good job with remaining neutral. <laughs> <laughs> Where's my duh button again? I need my duh <laughs> Duh. So it going to become our most used button. <laughs> I, I don't know. Vietnamese, Spanish, and whatever else Adrian said. I'm mean, like, how do you keep a straight face for that? That's just impossible. It's, uh, I mean, like, he didn't even attempt to give a solid answer. It was like, pig Latin. I'm surprised he didn't say that. Pig Latin. That's a good idea <laughs> for the next one. Now, okay, truth in advertising. If Annette had said Hebrew, I would have given it to her. Uh, I was surprised the card said Aramaic, actually. It does say Aramaic, the card, mm-hmm. as one of the three languages. It doesn't say Hebrew. It says Aramaic, Greek, and Latin. Now, Aramaic and Hebrew are very closely related languages. Right. So I We do
0: use Hebrew in the liturgy. When we say Amen, Alleluia, those are from Hebrew, right?
4: Yeah, yeah, but you could also probably make an argument they're from Aramaic, though. Like I said, they're very closely related. In fact, so the Targums, I was talking to Adrian about this, uh, you can look up the Targums And targums were written, uh, you know, before the time of Christ until, you know, 100 years after the time of Christ, thereabouts. When the Jews went to synagogue on Saturday and they heard the reading, there would be someone present to translate from what the Hebrew that was being read into Aramaic, which was spoken by the common people. And they started out as pure translations. And over time, the translators began to homilize uh, as they went. So, they began to sort of interpret, not just translate, and those, those were, some of them were written down, and they're called Targums, and they're fascinating to read. If you like studying scripture and you love typology, go read the Targums, because you get, an, you get a sense of how they saw these Old Testament passages, and the, especially on the, the first three chapters of the book of Genesis, in, the, uh, I think, Jonathan, Jonathan's Targum Is just, it's really, really incredible. The Targum on Melchizedek being Shem bar Noah is mind-blowing. I mean, literally your head will explode out of how awesome the thought would be that Melchizedek was the son of Noah, passing on the the, uh, blessing of the firstborn to Abraham. That
5: blows your mind. Check it out, the Targums. That being... That being said, I, I'm still not convinced, because Aramaic and Hebrew are different languages. And from my understanding, from my reading, it was the Hebrew, Latin, and Greek were the sacred languages, and particularly because those were the languages that were nailed to the cross and the blood of Christ ran uh, over them. Yeah, That's not tricky. to say— That's uh, why we're saying. We would have given her the right
4: answer if she said Hebrew. Yeah, yeah. If it we was Hebrew— We would have given it.
5: I, to- I, I totally agree because that that that's very interesting. I'm curious to know. I, of course, these cards don't give you the background information, but I'm curious of the background information on why it said Aramaic instead of Hebrew. I don't know. Yeah, uh, it's that's, very interesting. It offer any other? Details. Yeah, no. I wish <laughs> I wish it gave it's some like, background we to, info. We have to uh, call the the publisher and say what gives, man. Yeah, because that's very interesting. Because uh, when we're talking about like languages used in liturgy, for uh, obviously we have uh, vernacular languages in liturgy uh, today, but also in the early church. I mean, you look at um, Thomas going to India, setting up the rites over there. There's all these different rites in various different languages, and most of them are not Greek, Hebrew, and Latin. uh, But in the Western Church, we stuck to those, and uh, most people would agree of all rites that those are the sacred languages because they were nailed to the cross and the blood of Christ ran over them. Uh, But I
4: guess in particular – yeah, well, see, the question specifically was about liturgy, though. Um, And again – uh, amen, Alleluia, these were all Hebrew based Right, so. which is what I'm
5: confused about Yeah, me too yeah. Mm-hmm.
4: Either way, uh, we would have given it to her if she just said Hebrew But uh, she didn't have to No, because yeah, it was right <laughs> she had the stellar options uh, between Spanish and Vietnamese
5: And what was the other one? English Oh, you did mention English I did in- mention English Wow Aren't The you? ancient language of English Aren't you a peach? Did
0: Spanish even exist back then?
5: Uh, <laughs> uh, or English? Latin,
4: right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, there you go, folks uh, praise be to God in all things. Uh, let's see. Let's recognize some folks that are hanging out with us today. Joaquin, good morning to you. Uh, it's good to see you. Sita, how do I say that? S-I-T-A. Sita? I think that's right. Is it Sita? Have I I don't think I've... Are you a first-time commenter, Sita? God love you. God bless you. Thank you for being on the show today on the comment comment box. Josh, good morning. Good to see you there. Praise be to God on the Facebook side of things. We're very grateful to see you. Uh, praise be to God. And, of course, our uh, we have uh, Lori and Patty, Sean also, Glen Trahan, sharing our video this morning. God love you all. Thank you for doing that. Christopher Chance, we've mentioned you. God love you. Good morning to you. Thank you for hanging out with us again today. We're very grateful to see you again. <laughs>
5: Th- Mr. Thomas said, <laughs> he said, what, what his name, his name is Adrian, LOL. Next time, let's ask what's Adrian's name. <laughs> <laughs> yes.
0: We'll have several options. <laughs> what, what? <laughs> your name will be in the question.
5: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's hilarious. Well, I, I feel like, uh, you know, I'm just chopped liver. It's okay. Yeah. It's okay. <laughs> Valentin.
4: Good morning to you, Valentine. It's good to see you, Angelo. It's good to see you. Good morning, Mr. Thomas, of course. Uh, who else is over there on the YouTube side? Chris of Velasquez, good morning to you. Praise be to God. Kathy, our friend from Danvers, Massachusetts. 16 degrees. It's warming up. Wow. <laughs> what are you going to do with that oh, Indian man. summer up there, Kathy? Uh, praise be to God. Um, Kathy,
0: Chris, Mr. Yeah. Thomas. Monica, good Angelo. to see you.
4: Praise be to God. Good morning to everybody. Well, uh, let us know. What do you guys want to chat about today? What's on your mind, your heart, your thoughts, anything about the show, any of the discussions we've had, news articles, or any of that comment? Let us know what you're thinking, uh, questions. Mr. Thomas had some questions. Okay. Jump in. So he says, if I go
0: blind, if I lose my leg in an accident, if I lose my health, does it mean that this is all due to my sins? Does it mean the worse the sin, the worse the ailment?
4: No. The answer is that is no, obviously. Read the book of Job. Yes. In fact, uh, so I've mentioned this several times in the last couple weeks, month or whatever, but my wife and I are going over The Trustful Surrender to Divine Providence by St. Colombert, and I highly recommend this to you, Thomas. It's published by Tan. It is an excellent spiritual work. It is not very big. It's very short. I think it's 120 pages, but it's like big font and tiny, it's great. It's, you can read this thing in a weekend if you're that motivated. We, my wife and I, we, we, every Saturday morning, we stop and we, we read a section, we pray, we talk, we, we discuss it. But it ultimately goes over, here's the, here's the nutshell, here's the summary Cliff Notes version. Everything that comes to you, whether it's good or bad, accept it as though it is God's will for your life. And he has something greater in mind for you it could now god is not the author of evil uh god does not uh does not create the intent, evil intentions behind people's evil acts however he does allow things to happen in order to bring about a greater good so like job what did job do to deserve his children being taken away or his or his property being taken away did he commit any sin no uh, god's will be done and uh, so this is why I said that God's will be done challenge is actually harder than it sounds because I like I personally one of my big struggles uh, personal confession here is I, I, I like when inanimate objects don't cooperate with me like like for instance glasses I keep them on the top of my head but because I have so few hairs up there nothing much is holding it up so they'll like I'll, I'll bend over and they'll fall to the ground like I get frustrated beyond belief when things like that happen. It's like you have one job, and that's to stay up on top of the head for when I need you. Why am I always bending over and picking you up off the ground? Like, it's God's will that I should have that opportunity to be humiliated, to bend over, to pick up. those, like Even the little things, right? Versus big things. Someone hits your car. You know, God's not the author of an evil act or, or a terrible thing. But at the same time, he allows these things to happen to bring about a greater good. Accepting God's will in the moment can be very difficult for most of us. Uh, But that book really dives into all of those principles and gives you great spiritual uh, guidance in, in the process of growing in grace and perfection as a result to accepting God's will. So you should check it out.
5: Right, and I wanted to also talk about the uh, the problem of suffering. Um, Dave Palmer on his show on Fridays, uh, Back to the Father, he talked a little bit about suffering last week, and I'm sure he's going to cover it from a Thomistic perspective. Uh, eventually, we we'll do a whole show on on the problem of suffering, but briefly, yes, uh, there are we we do have suffering in our lives, and ailments that occur um, are usually not a uh, punishment from god it's uh very possible that that can happen but it's not that that's not the normal means in which god acts in the world he doesn't normally punish people directly in that manner um we do see some things like this do happen um the we talk about how in scripture we see that plagues famine wars are all punishments from god um But that does not mean that it's necessarily a punishment from God. Uh, In fact, most of the time I would say it's likely not. In fact, uh, so you have to make a distinction between the two wills of God. He has his active will, things that he's uh, willing that he wants ha- to happen directly, that he's actively moving and changing and, uh, have his, his hand, uh, on different things. Uh, it's kind of a simplistic understanding, uh, but it'll be sufficient for the 30 second description. Uh, and then a, and then his passive will, things that he allows to happen, things that, uh, he may not desire, but he allows to happen for a different reason. Now, Emily mentioned the book of Job. This is a great place to go to talk about this and understand it. Uh, but spoiler alert, I'll give you the ending <laughs> of, uh, the book of Job. It, the the book's been out for a while. It's okay. Yeah, yeah. If you haven't read it, yeah, reprint. Don't yeah. don't no spoilers. I know, man. I know. But you know, spoiler alert. So if you have never read the Book of Job, you can uh, tune off and then come back on. You know, um, but the the Book of Job it ends with God giving Job a tour of the universe. Yeah. He shows him everything. And he's like, were you there, Job, whenever I created the heavens and the earth? Were you there when I formed the stars? Were you there when I created the depths of the ocean? Were you there? And he goes on and on and on, listing all of creation. And Job is like, well, no, I, I wasn't there. And um, and what does God say? He said, if you can't even understand the things of nature, the th- natural things, uh, then how much less can you understand the will of me, who is all powerful?" Powerful, all-knowing and uh, is above everything. How could you understand my doings, my will, my ideas? And so we get a glimpse of certain things like, for instance, you see the suffering mm-hmm. of the saints and see how it results in so much good. Um, but then I just, that's just a glimpse of what is to come. And then our Lord, of course, gave us the perfect example of making good out of suffering and the, his death and crucifixion, the, the worst possible sin, a deify, uh, is deicide, killing God. We killed our savior. And uh, through that act, the O Felix Culpa, O happy fault uh, that we crucified our Lord, but uh, through that, God brought about a greater good. So uh, there's always a reason for the things that God puts us through, but uh, ultimately, just like Joe was talking about, we must have trustful surrender to divine providence. 93. Welcome
4: back, my friend. Praise be to God. It's good to see you back. We haven't seen you in a couple days, I think. Or at least since last week, and of course, uh, Alaric. Is Alaric a first-time commenter? I think so. I don't recognize the name. Alaric says, "Our Lord told Saint Gemma Galgani that He surrounds those He loves with crosses." Yes, oh, I'm reading her, her book
5: right now. Me and my friends are reading uh, Saint Hemma, Gemma's uh, book, uh, her biography uh, for Lent. So we're all reading it together. She's an
0: incredible saint, it and
5: it's quite striking.
0: Yeah. And that reminds me of the, you know, the Mother Teresa quote where she says, suffering is a sign that Jesus is close enough to you that he can kiss you. So um, suffering is always an opportunity to share in the suffering of Christ. And, of course, as Catholics, we see suffering as very powerful. That's one of the things that separates us from a lot of Protestant denominations is that we value suffering and we see um, the grace that comes out of it as very, very important.
4: Amen. We need a, uh, we need a first-time commenter sound adrian welcome we need something like cool. a oh, french <laughs> can we do like welcome. F- french horns maybe or something like french something horns epic, epic we need like an epic
0: something like the return of christ the horns have you then. seen those oh, uh, have you seen
4: those viral videos of like uh, weird horn sounds in the sky
5: uh that uh, happened all over the world what? no but that sounds awful we should have those <laughs> That, that sounds you, you terrifying. Do, you do realize yeah. that the, those sounds are not not they're good u- sounds. I know those, they're those ushering are, in those the bad end times. times. <laughs> bad I know sounds. they're ushering in the judgments.
4: Yeah, I, I get We're it. Like, Welcome the seals to our show. Are being broken in the Book of Revelation, and you know the Plague, four horsemen spamming, are you know. coming around. I get all of that, but it's still cool. It's still a pretty cool sound. You should look into it. Maybe put that on a button, and we'll, every time we get a first-time commenter.
0: <laughs> I- <laughs> Why is that such a good? <laughs> uh, That's a good sound. And everybody sound. stops and
5: goes, what was that? <laughs> yeah, we're going to be like uh, trying to get into our bunkers. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that sounds like a tornado warning that we get in the Midwest all the time. Uh, yeah. Good
5: idea. I mean, uh, let's let's do not do that sound, but maybe another a different sound. <laughs> it's kind of creepy. I'm going to be honest. It's kind of Christopher creepy. says, play the Sanctus." That would that'd be good. Oh, do we do. We can uh, play Sanctus spells. Sanctus, yeah,
0: Liturgical bells, that'd be Sanctus. nice.
5: Sanctus, news.
4: Uh, I can't remember now. Uh, Susan over on Facebook side says, My Bible study called me uh, Jobet for a whole year, <gasps> prayed a lot over me. Jobet. So life was kind of tough then, Susan, I imagine, if you were being called Jobet. Wow, we'll be praying for you for sure. Praise be to God. Uh, what else? What else is there? Why Why am I in Helm's Deep? <laughs> My kids, Christopher, will love you for making the reference to Helm's Deep. <laughs> uh, praise be to God. Mr. Thomas says, I had no idea the book of
0: Job existed. One thing about our dear Catholic church is that our preset church do not give us this interesting information. Well, you know, there's a lot. W- sometimes it comes up. So in, it's in the cycle of readings, the book of Job. So we hear it if you go to a, a, an ordinary church at least every, every few years, we, it should be in the, in the readings for Mass, although it might be during the week, so.
4: <laughs> yeah. And I love the, the section you were quote, commenting on there, Adrian, about how he takes him on the tour of the universe. And he's like, were you there, Job, when I set the foundations in place? You know, it's like, I love that. That exchange is, is a very cool exchange between God and man. You should check it out. It's very
5: sobering. Yes, it is. Praise be to God. Uh, Joaquin said, "the the uh, that sound reminds me of Silent Hill. Scary. (laughs) Yes, (laughs) it is creepy. It is. In
4: fact, there was a a parody video. Uh, So these videos were like being put out on the interwebs, and they were becoming viral. And you know, there was just these creepy horn like sounds that are coming from radiating from the sky all over." You know, and then so there was another one that came out where these <clears throat> these kids were in a driveway and they're looking up, listening to the sound, and then the camera pans and it's their brother with a horn behind them. You know, it's that's just, hilarious. It's kind of funny, <laughs> but oh no, we'll have to come up with something for first time commenters, something special uh, for first time commenters that we can always celebrate when uh, we get new people on the show.
5: Well, there is I, I have an idea, but the problem is it's Lent, and I can't use the word, but the a word we can uh, al. Could pray. I already could said pray. it on
0: the show. Today. Oh, did you really? Yeah. Oh no!
5: Owl. Yeah, we can uh, we could pray the owl, but yeah, so that, uh, maybe that, that we could do that. The yeah, Hebrew. The, that Hebrew word. <laughs> you could play that word uh, the uh, from um, Handel's Messiah whenever someone comes oh. on. That would be hilarious. Okay. Or the when the trumpets blow. So those are more more pleasing trumpets. Yeah. Um, during uh, for Handel's Messiah, I think that would be good. Yeah, mm-hmm. praise be to God.
4: Uh let's see. What, whatever what have I failed to mention today? You know,
5: ninety three was on our first uh show with Bree Dale. Uh oh, he yeah. was he was in the comment section there. So that was pretty awesome seeing him there. Uh so yeah, if y'all have never seen uh Bree's show, y'all have gotta tune in Monday at eight AM. Uh we hop off early off of our show and then I go and produce that one. And they have some great content. Um Bree's very sharp, very smart. Now
0: they were all they're all Journalists living in Rome, right? But they're from all over the place.
5: That is right. They uh, are all over the place. Bree is uh, living in Rome. So is Joey Mignot. And they have uh, Calm Flynn, who we had on our show yeah, he was also living in Rome. In fact, I think he she said um she's mo- he's moving in to the apartment like underneath him underneath her. <laughs> so they're on oh, yeah, so, so they're like <laughs> literally, oh, she wow. was like she was like uh I'm going to I might take my drone out. Uh call don't call the police on me if you hear <laughs> if you hear uh drones going off. <laughs> so <laughs> that's funny. So that's pretty cool.
4: Yeah, praise be to God. Estella over on YouTube says I've read book I I've read book of Job twice. It's a good lesson. That's my yeah. grandma. Oh, praise be to God. Hi, Grandma. It's good to see you. Thanks for hanging out.
0: Yeah, if you're doing the Bible in a Year podcast with Father Mike Schmitz, that was the first, um, one of the first books that you dove into, which is a great way to start with the Bible. It's so funny. I I love Father Mike Schmitz trying to explain everything in the Bible that is kind of, you know, can be upsetting or startling. Um, And he's like, hear me out, guys, hear me out. And then he explains, you know, slavery in the Old Testament, (laughs) and stuff like that.
4: Now, why didn't Father Mike Schmitz start with the book of Leviticus? I'm just curious. He's there now, though. Yeah. Well, one of my favorite (laughs) passages of all time comes from the book of Leviticus. Oh, yeah? Yeah, yeah. You know how you go to sports games, uh, football games, things like that, and you see a sign that says 316 on it? Yeah. Yeah. My favorite, Leviticus 315. It's 316, yeah. I don't know why people think that comes from John's gospel. It doesn't. It comes from Leviticus. All fat belongs to the Lord. Exactly. The fat belongs to the Lord. I'm just saying, you skinny people need to bulk up before the judgment day. I'm just cuz you don't want to be you don't want to be construed with a skinny goat you want to be a fat sheep so the Lord can identify you properly Leviticus 316 look it up it's true Good morning grandma
0: have any in on the show witnessed an exorcism I watched a video about a protestant
4: saying he expelled demons uh, I would indeed. not want to witness an exorcism you know I remember talking to what's his name the um the demonologist out of Pennsylvania, and uh, Adam Adam Bly. Bly. So Adam Bly, we were having a conversation a couple years ago. We were at an event together. We were in the back room, and I was getting to pick his brain. And he's an amazing guy, and his wealth of information on on demonology, on exorcisms, is and he gets consulted by bishops all over the world. And anyway, he was telling me about a story about a layperson who was super curious and wanted to be present at an exorcism. And somehow, some way, found, was able to talk his way into one of these, uh, these moments. And he ended up being possessed himself as a result. And he, he shared this story as a way of, of emphasizing how w- the devils and the demons use our curiosity to get the better of us all the time. And he illustrated, and he did so in his talk as well at the event, That the, you know, like the old saying, the curiosity kills the cat. There are things that we are allowed to know, and there are things that we aren't allowed to know, and we should not insist on knowing those things that we aren't supposed to know. That, that's sort of one of the lessons. If it's God's will that you should know, then praise be to God. If it's not God's will, then you should be obedient and not go looking and forcing yourself. Because the person wasn't living in a state of grace, their intentions were not right, and the demon could smell it on him and was able to take advantage of the situation. Uh, so I personally, I know Justin Romero has been a part of exorcisms. We should get him on to share some of his exorcism oh, yeah. stories. Because he has also shared some of the stories about how intense the moments can be. And the other thing Adam Bly would say, and I've heard Father Ripperger talk about this as well. Uh, the demons that do like the stuff you see in the movies. You know, the spinning of the head, the puking of the green, the limitations. A lot of that is smoke and mirrors. It is a show to to intimidate. It is a show to uh, to uh, get people uh, scared, and um, Father Ripperger would say, for the most part, uh, exorcists don't see that behavior because they're be- they're not they're not affected by that kind of that kind of um, crazy pomp and circumstance stuff. They right. get right down to the business of the matter.
0: If you do want to know, I mean, there's a balance between you can't be overly curious, but the Father Gabriel Amorth, who was the Vatican's exorcist, wrote a book about his experience being the, you know, the Rome's chief exorcist. Um, And there's also a documentary about him called The Devil and Father Amorth, which was pretty good. Um, But then again, of course, there's always a balance where on one end, you can't be overly curious about demons because that's how they draw you in. Um, But at the same time, you can't be afraid of them. So you have to stay somewhere in the middle where you just kind of don't let them take that power over you in either
5: way. Yeah, I would highly recommend um, being aware of it and thinking about it, because uh, but not being obsessed with it. So I mean, we pray all the time, um, and our Father, uh, our Father. You know, we say the to deliver us from evil. Um, with some in the evil one. Um, but yeah, so it's very important that we keep in mind that the devil exists, that angels exist. Um, and sneak peek. Because uh, I'm plugging in uh, Dave Palmer's show again uh, this Friday. Dave Palmer will be talking about angels on his show. He's uh, he gave me a sneak peek, and uh, he usually tries to keep it a surprise. But uh, sorry, Dave, if you're you listening, I him. just outed I just outed <laughs> him on the topic for this wow. Friday. Uh, but he's talking about angels and the philosophy of angels and what are angels, how do they work, uh, how do they interact in our lives. This very important topic. So absolutely, it's important to know. Um, and, and today's reading today. We talked about Saint Raphael comes down to the water. Does it say that it's Saint Raphael? I can't remember. But the the fathers of the church say that it was Saint Raphael that would come into the pond, and he was the one who was doing the healing oh, yeah, there. Yeah, that's right. Um, yeah. So yes, the angels are real, demons are real. We need to be aware of them. We don't want to obsess over them, but we do uh, should be aware and um, and look at good Catholic sources. Mm-hmm. Uh, one great book on exorcisms. Um, it's not about exorcism themselves. But uh, the secret of the rosary uh, talks about how the rosary is a great weapon against the devil. And I'll tell you one story from there. Um, there, during the uh, homily given by Holy Father Dominic, he was preaching and this heretic, uh, started castigating the Holy Rosary, started blaspheming against Mary and refused to accept the rosary. And afterwards, he was possessed by a hundred and fifty <clears throat> demons. Wow. And, As he was praying the rosary, the demons were coming out of his mouth as hot coals and glass. And so he was vomiting them up after Holy Father Dominic started praying the rosary over him. And so that, um, the rosary Cured him of the the of the demons, so very important. uh, Stay close to the rosary, pray the rosary Mm -hmm. every day, and uh, read a secret of the rosary amongst many other books. And I linked in the YouTube description a playlist of Catholic spiritual warfare uh, videos on YouTube, so you don't go looking at the Protestant stuff. Here's some Catholic ones if you're interested. I was blown
4: away when I did have the opportunity to sit with Adam Bly because he he dispelled so many myths and misconceptions about spiritual warfare about the demons and angels that i just somehow found myself believing you know heavily influenced by pop culture movies you know hearsay that kind of thing and it was it was very empowering i would say to know how the demons actually work and you can go back to like i said the book of we're talking about the book of job this is a great example the devil had to ask for permission from god to have an effect on job's life they're they're like dogs on a chain they don't get to they don't get to just do whatever they get to do what they're allowed to do and there's two essential ways that they can be allowed to do something in your life at any level full on possession or just straight up harassment Either God allows it in order to bring about a greater good in your life. The, you know, the idea of suffering brings about uh, a good. And then, of course, the other way is you allow it because of mortal sins, sins and habitual sins that you allow in your life. Pornography, the occult. Think about how much occult horoscopes, palm readings. Um, think about how many occult shops we find in poor neighborhoods where uh, witchcraft and things are happening in the back room or things like that you know, crystals, all that stuff, that is opening a door to the devil and the demons to have some impact on your life. And, it, you know, whether it's, like I said, full-on possession or even just harassment. So, two ways. God allows it or you allow it through sin. And the primary means of ec- of ex- of uh, getting rid of these demons, because my brain is all of a sudden uh, shut down, or the primary means is confession. Routine confession. Living in a state of grace. Yes,
0: and I just want to add, uh, among Gen Z, there's this resurgence of astrology where now people my age are getting really into astrology and like actually believing in it again, as well as this thing called manifestation where you kind of manifest things into existence. So both of those bad demonic, they open doors to the occult. So just don't do that. If your grandchildren, children are doing that bad. Get them to confession. Boards,
4: Get rid of them. Get rid of yes. all everything in your possession because possession is a big deal in the demonic in the spiritual world, authority and rights are a big deal, and they will be there if you let them if they have a right to be there that 's one of the first steps in exorcism is the priest is trying to determine by what right and authority do they are they doing whatever it is they 're doing and um and so if you have any of this stuff, if you have you know i for instance, I was a freemason, and for years, I held on to. My uh, my Freemason articles. Well, a few years ago, I found them in my garage stored. Ha, I threw them away. I'm done. All that stuff's got to go. Uh, so anything you have from the occult, get rid of it immediately. Go to confession. Invite a priest over to your home to bless your home, to exercise the demons. Um, you know, So there's plenty of opportunities for us to overcome these things. And there's nothing to be scared of. Asking good questions to the right sources will help you in a big way. Uh, running out of time. Next time Mr. Thomas says next time let's talk
5: about angels flying and UFOs, Adrian. Oh, UFO. No. Oh no. <laughs> yes. This Adrian. is a topic that me Ooh. and me and Joe had like discussed for like too long. We wasted like hours of a day. I'm sorry if our uh, co-workers are listening. But I w- <laughs> but,
4: okay. Disclaimer: We could talk about this, Mister Mister Thomas, but I don't know that we'll have any good conclusions. No, we won't. <laughs> we will not. We're, this this will be a
5: purely divided purely topic, purely speculative <laughs> at
4: best, but highly divisive. I mean, you can talk about politics and religion all you want,
5: but let's go on the UFOs, baby. Let's go on angels and demons <laughs> and the, in, in, in relation UFOs. to aliens.
0: Says. <laughs> Are angels UFOs? Uh, the uh, I, the
5: easy answer would be aliens uh I mean angels would not be in UFOs in terms of physically because they're not physical beings, but the topic surrounding that is the controversial part.
4: All right. We're out of time. We'll have to cut you off, Adrian. You'll have more time to uh, try to dissuade us on the truth of the matter. Maybe tomorrow. <laughs> no, I'm only teasing. Uh, that's gonna do it for Catholic Drive Time. We're very grateful that you drive the conversation in the after show. So God love you. Thank you for doing that. Please do us a favor share and like uh, you know I'm seeing an increase in not just viewership but on subscribers on our YouTube channel and it makes a big difference but honestly the biggest thing you can do is share and like and comment and you've been commenting so sharing and liking would be massive for us please do it if you can share us on other platforms like reddit even that would be so cool it'd be very helpful Facebook please do share subscribe like all of that it really helps us overcome and grow our audience and share the truth with so many more people. God love you. God bless you. We'll see you back here tomorrow morning, 6 a.m. Central, 7 Eastern for Catholic Drive Time. Thank you for joining
6: us.